So are we dismissing the junior high and high school kids too, or are they going to stay in the service? Mike, give me an answer. Lord? Never mind, doesn't matter. God's got it. All right, just curious. So hopefully you have an outline. It should say, warming your heart in the love of God, one of my favorite topics, and also a current event topic, I really believe, in light of what's going on right now. And um, I think there's been a lot of review lately of um, what happened in the past and the Jesus People Revolution and um, Calvary Chapel movement and all the other movements that respond, including the movement that just sort of came in on the tail end of that, which was called the Vineyard, which would be our, our system of churches. And um, so I want to talk about uh, some of that indirectly, but I would like to just talk today about the love of God, because it seems to me that with regard to the Vineyard in particular, and even when I think of what's going on today uh, in the world right now, it's um, with regard to, you know, the thing in Asbury and um, the, the singing, you know, and the worship that's going up. It's For me, it's like first love. You know what I mean? And sometimes what happens is we, we try to make something, you know, more and don't let the thing grow and develop. But just this pure, beautiful heart of devotion. Matter of fact, it's interesting to me that one of the first bands that I remember came in, coming out of the Jesus People Movement was called Love Song. Isn't that interesting? Love Song. Because I think that at the heart of this activity and every activity when there's some sort of revival or renewal going on is it's love. And sometimes amidst the power and um, uh, the grace that's given, we, we miss that uh, love. Because actually, I believe at times like this, first love is given. And that first love takes you in all kinds of directions, right? It takes you toward the loss. It takes you toward healing in your heart. And, and uh, I want to just talk about that a little bit because I believe that's the season that we're in. I believe we're in a first love season, uh, either dead ahead or right upon us now. And uh, I think there's some ways to respond to this in this season that will be very, very helpful for us uh, and for all of us to experience renewal or revival in our life. So I just want to read uh, from Matthew chapter 24, uh, starting with verse uh, 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He said, tell you, I tell you, truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be Famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now, I want you to underline that. The love of most will grow cold. And so in the world today... It's my just observation generally that we have on the one hand this intense flame warming the hearts of the church, and on the other side we have this intensity of love growing cold, right, in our government and the systems, and even the things that are being said, which you hear on the news, it's got a few degrees colder, I think, don't you? And just in terms of human warmth and you know what I mean, and the battle and then the fighting and all of it. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And the go this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. But I'd like to say, with regard to that, many of us have read this increase of wickedness, love will grow cold, uh, the gospel being preached, but the opposite of the love of most will grow cold will be the love of the church growing hot. And so it's sort of important as you talk about eschatology or thinking of where we are or, or observe the, the seasons and the tragedies and the difficulties, controversies and all of it, to understand that there's something that's on God's agenda for the church. And I just like to call it um, unparalleled love, unparalleled compassion flowing to us and through us, then right on out into the world. 
And I think it's really important in all the noise that we don't lose that love that warms the heart, that love that calms, that totally undoes us, that gives us our first love, right? So I want to look at uh, 24.10. At that time, many will turn from the faith and will betray and hate each other, right? And the word turn away is translated, uh, is the word scandalizo. Now what comes out of the word scandalizo that we recognized? Anyway, scandalized, right? 24.10, at that time many will turn away. That means many will be scandalized. And that word means to put a stumbling block in the way to offend. Has anybody been offended yet? <laughs> it's just like I've never seen so much offense. Everywhere. Everybody's offended. Everybody. <laughs> so we got to make sure is that we don't go there in our heart. We don't have many choices. Even when they're being mean to us and mad and angry and kicking us around, what are we supposed to do? We love them right back. Right? So getting offended in this time of great turmoil and where the enemy's trying to take all the love out, God's putting the love back in. Right? So it also means to cause a person to distrust and to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. And so this interesting word, this scandalizo, there's a bait stick and every trap. I used to do this when I was uh, a kid in the desert, and uh, I was looking for lizards all the time. So I'd set up this box, and I'd have this little stick, and it's the scandalon, scandalizo. Like in Greek, it's the scandalon. It's a bait stick. And so the little lizard come along, eat food, bam, comes the box on top of their head because they move the stick, the scandalon. They would take the bait, right? And so one thing that's really, really important for us is for us in this day and time especially as tempers grow high and uh, problems come along and everything, that we don't take the bait stick of Satan and get offended. It just turns out that in our world around us, everybody's getting scandalized. Everybody's taking the bait, right? And we as the church don't want to go that way. It's a miserable place to be scandalized. It's a miserable place. Don't spend more, more than one second there. As soon as you get scandalized, just forgive them and move on. I mean, it's a, it's a horrible place to be, right? Yet millions upon millions, I think, are, are going to that place. And sometimes when things have been delayed in our life, we get scandalized in that way. Um, Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And maybe, I, maybe, I won't say maybe, I am sure of this right now. Uh, I think that hope's been deferred a little bit more than usual for people. I think we got a lot of hope deferred going on in our culture just as a result of what happened with the pandemic and as we're trying to get back our lives online. And There's just a lot of things like that. And so it's really, really important that we don't take the bait stick of Satan, pull the bait stick, and have bondage fall on us by becoming bitter and angry at God and everybody else. And of course, everybody else is getting scandalized by the moment. Right? They're all under the box. Every time I watch the news for 10 minutes, somebody's under the box. Somebody got offended over this and somebody gets offended over that. It's in the air. It's tangible. But when the thing's in the air, what's really important is don't get caught under the box. It's a nasty, horrible place. Very tempting. Sometimes the bait is so beautiful. You know what I'm trying to do? Get off all of my high horses. I'm tired of it. I've had enough. I'm climbing off all of them, right? Oh, but that horse was so right. It is so full of truth. Oh, it was so good. Nah, sorry. I'm tired of your horse. You know, it's good. Bye. You know, and I think we need to go to that place because the thing is, in that space, we can't really be who we're supposed to be. And also, there's this weird form of blindness and deafness that happens <laughs> when you get in that place. We get scandalized, whether it's over the government, over some opinion that somebody's doing. Just be careful in your heart. Don't take the bait, because when we take the bait, we get in a worse place. The original problem was bad, but then all of us get in the worst place. We get in that place of bitterness. And so Jesus says something really simple. He says to forgive everybody. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, he's hanging on the cross. The scary part is he's calling all of us to that. 
So in the midst of all of our righteousness and all of our vindictiveness and all of our being truthful and telling the truth, it's so important that we don't let that sneak up on our heart and stuff us, suffocate us, right? Because there's better things ahead. We live in an unprecedented atmosphere of unfulfilled expectation. Betrayal, divorce, child molestation, slander, money schemes gone awry. There's false prophets and abusive authority. And the interesting thing is if you read Matthew chapter 24, you just get the whole litany, the whole list of this, right? At that time, he says, many will turn away from the faith. What time? Well, he's talking about the end of time. He's talking about as things wind down to prepare uh, for the coming of Jesus Christ. The interesting thing about end time theology, and I'm not an expert at this, uh, so like, don't go around uh, saying I'm an expert. I don't, uh, but I know a couple of things that I think are really helpful as broad outlines. So what you see in the turmoil and the tribulation of the early church, right, as it happened, a lot of things were spoken in the midst of that tribulation and how the church was supposed to behave. But also there's this forecast that at the end of time, before Jesus comes back, there will also be a lot of tribulation, a lot of times like we're even experiencing now, whether... This is the time, and this is one of those times, or the right time, I don't know, but it just seems like to me there's a lot of craziness, a lot of churning, a lot of things that are setting up, and so we're kind of aware of that. But whether we're right or wrong about exactly when the time is of Jesus coming back and how close we are in the church and stuff, I just think there's some basic things that are very, very critical for us to have, and one of them is do not lose the warmth in your heart. Do not lose first love for God or love for other people. It's your most cherished possession from the Lord. And so I'm going to talk about that as we just move through here. At that time, many will turn away. He's talking about the end of time. Turn away from the faith and will betray. And he's also talking about the time dead ahead the church was about to experience. I think it's both. And I think it fits our time really, really well. Many will turn away from the faith, will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now, I know for sure this is happening right now. (laughs) It's very important, uh, especially in the name of religion, right? Being right, truth. Very careful. Be careful about your heart growing cold. Sometimes truth can be very cold, right? So I think this is one thing we have to... Be careful about because when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. We know that. We're also aware of basic truths about the gospel, basic truth about righteousness. But it's so important that we don't fall and pull that little scandal on and fall into a trap. And you always know you fall in the trap because you even get bitter, you get angry. Love kind of evaporates. And suddenly you become right about everything, but lovingly wrong about a whole lot. Even the very people. They're so wicked, right? Jesus is the one that said to forgive them, right? Pray for them. Pray God would change them. And honestly, in our church history, some of the greatest people in the history of the Bible were the worst terrorists, the worst people on earth, including the Apostle Paul, which wrote half the New Testament. <laughs> he wasn't a nice terrorist. <laughs> he was not a sanctified terrorist. He ran into Jesus. He was clapping when people would die. He was bringing people to their death. He was arresting. He was mean. He was horrible. So God got him, right? Which is the good news. Let me read. I'll go back to 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. What do you mean stand firm? I mean not only stand firm for righteousness and truth, but stand firm in love. So you can't let the events get your love. Steal your ability to pray for even your enemies, which Jesus, by the way, is said to do. And steal the anointing on you even to uh, love people into the kingdom by being so self-righteous that they can't hardly even identify with you. But one thing even the world today can identify with is someone offering their heart 
their heart of love and giving. They might repudiate it. They may, you know, they may not receive it properly. But everybody notices, especially in a world where there's so much arguments, so much uh, vitriol. Somebody that loves people, even the wicked people, even people aren't treating you so nice, stands out. I was just about to say like a sore thumb, but I just have to say like a healthy thumb, right? And look what it says in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now, this is absolutely happening at a rate that most Americans have no idea about because we think we're the center of the universe. (laughs) Probably the center of the universe, spiritually speaking, is where God's delivering all these lost people. (laughs) And he's moving now in ways that we hadn't foreseen. It's so important for you as the body of Christ, us as the body of Christ, to be aware of it. He's moving in nations that have never had a move of God. He's moving at such rapid rate, it's, it's startling. And at the same time, he's cloaking it. And one of the reasons why he's cloaking it, in other words, it's not visible, because we have like this habit of the way we receive anointed things in America. First thing you know, they're on TV. First thing you know, they got a book. First thing you know, they got a television show. You know what I mean? <laughs> but real anointing, real power that's moving in the world, that's moving at a much more clandestine pace behind the scenes. For one thing, because of the nations they're working in, they can't be real visible. Otherwise, they'll get their head chopped off, literally. But let me just tell you, from what I know and from what I'm seeing and from all my friends that I know, and I've been doing missions since uh, the late 70s, early 80s, all these years, I have never seen anything quite like it. This gospel of the kingdom of preaching the whole world. I remember when I used to read that, and I think, how could that ever be? I thought that, I remember in the late 70s, how could that ever be about a place like China with even then close to a billion people? How could that ever be a nation like India with another billion people? How could that be in the Middle East? How could it be? How could it ever be in the Middle East? How could that ever be? As far as I know, there's going to be this great clash and they're going to all end up in Israel and there's going to be a big war and then we're all going to go to heaven then it's going to be over, right? But now... There's this great move of God in the nations, unparalleled. And I think it's safe to say from here, uh, I think that uh, the authorities are more and more aware of this, but even where we work right now, and I work intimately with this, and uh, we are associated with one movement of churches that's now 30,000 strong. We got involved when they were like 100 or 200. Talk about revival. Matter of fact, sometimes I wonder how we think, you know, we think about revival, but we have all these emotions and things about, but let me just tell you what represents, you know, a million and a half, two million new believers in the kingdom in a matter of just a couple of decades. What is that like? All in church, all reproducing, all reproducing and growing even more so that the growth now is becoming geometric. What do you do with something like that? This gospel of the kingdom will preach in the whole world and then the end comes. So we're celebrating, in a way, this season of time, and especially in Southern California with the movie that's out and all of it, of this grand awakening. And praying like crazy, this awakening would just continue uh, and once again birth on the scene. And I am very confident that something is going to happen really, really good here in the near future is happening as we speak. But one thing we have to realize about the time is that that should encourage us. But what should probably encourage us about our own revival in our own country is the also the revivals that are going on in the worst, most horrible, terrible, ungodly, unsafe, uh, antichrist places. These places are finding Jesus. And I think it's kind of important in our time to realize, look up, look around, and if you know anything about this, find out more. Because the most amazing thing that's ever happened on the planet Earth, besides Jesus coming, is what is about to happen. Because it's moving across every tribe, tongue, and nation, and every kind of religious place. doesn't matter whether they're Muslim, Hindu, doesn't matter who they are. The gospel is just leaping over these boundaries that have been held in place for thousands of years. and You could never cross them. And now it's happening in our time. So that means uh, we should be looking up... (laughs) I mean, 
I'm so happy I just got to be around one of these, you know? Thousands upon thousands of people. I've tested, I've kicked the tires, I've been over there, tried to figure, because I couldn't believe it was even happening. In my After all these years of desolation, all these years of nothing, all these years of kicking the tires in these countries and seeing nothing but getting arrested for healing without a license. I got arrested for healing without a license. <laughs> Praying for the sick. Can you believe that? <laughs> the interesting thing is they had no problem with the healing part. They had believed it fully. But I wasn't a licensed doctor, so what was I doing? <laughs> and there's also another way to get me out of the way because they didn't like what was happening because the kingdom was breaking in, right? <laughs> All right, so warm in your heart and the love of God. There's good news happening around the earth. There's good news even happening around us. And um, I'm going to highlight this this now as I move into point two here. I'm going to highlight this a little bit um, because one thing that's happening um, is there's lots of worship going on, right? And so this is really important because I think maybe some of us have thought, well, like, when do we get to the real meat of the thing, you know? <laughs> and I just want you to know that this is the meat of the thing. Because the worship's not just happening like sing-along with somebody and then we're having some happy sing-along. It's a devotion to God. It's like a sacrifice that's being offered to God. And like I said earlier, even in the earlier revivals, I just think that in our area even, isn't it interesting that one of the most famous of the early bands that emerged was Love Song and with also emerged out of the Calvary chapels and the vineyards and the other movements that started was this amazing music. It was like the music was alive. It was like new songs were being written that had never been heard before. New sounds taken into Christianity and the development of worship really spawned at that moment and that time, right? And I think we're seeing it again. Worship. But now, here's an interesting thing. Now, even in the movement in India, so what's happened traditionally around the world is like we take the songs, you know, the English songs, and then we like, we, we, uh, translate them into Hindi, and then sing them, right, with the English melodies. It's changed now. And I think it's the first time in my lifetime I've seen it change. Songs are being written in the style and the language, and entire music movements are starting outside the United States in their own country. This is the most startling thing about India, is they're singing their own rhythms, it's got that India vibe about it. And they're writing their own songs. And there's a worship movement beginning to emerge now. And you'll see it also in other parts of the world. You will see in the different cultures. So it won't be all of us trying to transport our English songs into their language. It will be their songs for their nation. And I might even go back the other way. I don't know. But that's another sign. It's, it, it's the sign of, of, of a warming, of a global warming. <laughs> <laughs> we can say it that way, right? <laughs> this one you don't have to be afraid of, right? All right. So let's look at uh, Proverbs uh, 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Wow. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So this is one thing that I just want to exhort you as I just sort of go through a couple of scriptures here. It's so important that you guard your heart. So I don't care how righteous your cause and how right you are. Be careful where that takes you. The pride, the sort of sense of smugness, being right, being self-righteous. I think it's probably better to be tender. Be careful about your heart. Pride sneaks up on us so easily, right? And I believe that the Lord is reduced. So this is one thing about the things that we're seeing with the singing. I like it a lot. God, I don't know about anything else, but I'm just going to worship you. I don't know. I don't know about revivals. I don't know about this or that. All I got to do is worship, and I just got to worship. The early songs in the vineyard were like that. They weren't trying to do anything. They were just worshiping. They were feeling the presence of God, and they were out of that Producing, and by the way, it was the most amazing thing with the vineyard, which is our heritage, is that in that 
part of in this part of the world and as those songs were emerging they were so different than the rest of the body of Christ at the time everybody else was doing Hebrew hoedown including me and then I got to Southern California and I'm listening to the vineyard and I'm thinking whoa this is different what is that you know we were doing this is the day this is ad nauseum for decades you know but we're still very excited about it right which is okay but then the vineyard came and these love songs began to emerge. And uh, it was, I didn't even understand exactly what was going on. I thought, well, this is different. I kind of know about this. But then I'm watching the people and their hands are all raised and weeping. They're going down their face on the floor, this vulnerability, you know. God, John would give the altar call and thousands of people would respond. I mean, not thousands, but hundreds of people would respond in the front, you know. Yeah, I did it. You know, I, I was in adultery last week. Yeah, I did it. I've, I've been caught in homosexuality. Yeah, I, I mean, the most heinous of sins up there all crying and asking God for mercy. And the love of God was just so thick. That's why the music was called Mercy Music. It is called Mercy Music. And I just think that this is the place that we know about in our church something that's been cultivated even further with our, our teaching and through Ed Piarik and others that have been helping us understand and dissect actually what happened in the early years so of the Vineyard Movement and the early years of the Jesus Movement. I think you have to put at the top of the list this compassion, this love for people and love for God. First love, but I guess you'd have to put it that way, right? And then we learned the Bible and, and that was important to know and righteousness and so on. But the first love thing... Whatever we do, we don't want to lose that, right? And I'll tell you what, the reason why I'm bringing this message is because it's so easy to lose first love in the midst of all of the hatred, all of the vitriol, and all of the stupidity and the things that are going out, and we get up in arms, and we're just getting, you know, and we know we're right. But you can be right lovingly, I mean, you can be right and lovingly wrong. It's important for us to keep the compassion and mercy of God in us so that we can actually without even any problem, pray for our leaders, even the ones we don't like. What's going to solve the problem? Your prayer for the leaders more or your complaining? I think there's a place for righteousness in the marketplace. But there's something else I'm trying to get to you, right? Now, I'm trying to get you this, this, this compassion thing, this love thing. I don't want my love feast being ruined by somebody else's stupid government or other things, right? I have to stand up where I need to stand up, but I can't be swallowed by it, right? So I become as angry and as mean as everybody else, right? So there's this line we're trying to walk, but you can't do it on an empty tank. You cannot stand up for truth in this day and age on an empty tank with no love in your heart. When you get love, then you know discern. You know when to stand up and when to not. You know what to say and when not. And especially with your coworkers and friends, you know what is lovingly wrong at that moment and you know what is lovingly right at that moment because you know why? Because your discernment is coming from being fanned by the mighty mercy of God and you're not too far from that mercy. I think the longer a, mer a movement gets away from the time when it was founded and the love of God, the more difficult it can be if they don't keep fanning this mercy, this original first love. This, this compassion. And, and you know what? Hard, the hard thing about compassion is sometimes you just can't put, tie everything up in a bow. You know, you just don't know how. You know, you got to let some things flap in the wind because you just don't know exactly. You've never been this way before. But mercy will always eventually give you the wisdom you need for discipling and bringing along, being healed and releasing power in the earth. And uh, so I... I just feel like uh, we're entering in this time where I think we really need to pay, uh, pay attention. And So if you look at Proverbs 4.23, look what he says. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So this is a time when we need to really guard our heart, our intimacy with the Lord, our relationship with others, and make sure we don't get into the spirit of bitterness that is so easily entrapping the world. And of course, with a divorce rate as high as ours, we just got things in our own backyard that are really difficult sometimes for us to get free of when a partner suddenly goes wrong, suddenly goes out with somebody or something happens. And So now it's so important that we guard our heart from that and, and the tragedies and the things that are happening around us and the unfairness of it all, right? 
So I believe, I, I think maybe I could say this over all of us. Above all else, if I didn't say anything else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And I don't want to be repeating the mistakes of everybody around me, right? I don't want to be going down the road unconsciously, even in the name of righteousness. I don't want to go in the spirit of it. I want to stay in the spirit of Jesus Christ, the mercy of Jesus Christ, and judge, but with loving, kind eyes. Judge appropriately. I think I'm in a position to do that when I have that in, in my spirit, right? And I'm not getting trapped. I'm not taking that scandal on and finding myself under the box every 10 minutes. If you find yourself under a box every 10 minutes after you watch the news or hear about something else that's going on, you're probably in that place right now. So why don't we just not take the bait, don't climb under the box, don't take the bait anymore, right? (laughs) And just see through Jesus' eyes. And what I'm saying to you is he'll give you a discernment that's amazing. Right now, one of our biggest uh, trials and I would say opportunities is ministering to the homeless and uh, and so I say the homeless. <laughs> uh, I'm speaking to half my congregation here. What I mean by that, all of us feel the pressure of not having a job or what could go wrong. I mean, so many of us are so close to that and so close because of the environmental events that have happened around us and the economy and the, the weird mixture of things. So when I speak to the homeless, I'm speaking to a wide a wide. Uh, um, group of people, people that are under the threat, under feel the tangible fear of losing their home or being in a place where they're out. Or, and, and, and you take all this combined with the prices and the high prices in Southern California, and it gets truly scary, right? So one thing that's so important for us is that we have to, above all else, guard our heart and make sure our heart doesn't cool down, especially with love and get trapped in a jail of unforgiveness and with them demons, right? Matter of fact, Jesus put it this way. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, and this is really what we're dealing with. I mean, the warfare that we're dealing with is, is absolutely uh, out in the open and demonic. But sometimes when we think of it, we're not thinking of the most serious consequences of all and the most serious warfare that we're actually dealing with uh, almost all the time right now. Let me just read a few verses from Matthew chapter 6. 12 to 15. So when Jesus is giving the prayer, he's teaching us how to pray. And then he says this, And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Now that word could be, say, testing. Lead us away from traps is what he's saying. Lead us away from that box, getting under the box. But deliver us from the evil one but deliver us from the evil one. That's part of the Lord's Prayer. It's really, really a powerful part of the Lord's Prayer and something we need to really pay attention to. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you don't give other people... Let me say it another way. This sounds very, very religious. If you don't give other people a break, then the Father's not going to give you a break. I don't mean call injustice and lies truth. I don't mean to ignore it. I just mean don't get hooked on it with that attitude. And you can know when you're hooked by the attitude because you don't really have any prayer ammunition for this. You lose it all. You're so angry you can't pray anymore. All you can do is shout, yell, right? Prayer actually means showing someone compassion. When you pray with compassion, how long do you pray and how hard do you pray? When something gets your heart, how do you pray? You pray with all your heart. But when you're angry at something and you want it to change, how far do you get? How hard do you pray? <laughs> right? If something really tweaks your heart and you just want, you know, you see something. I, I see it all the time. You know, something just tweaks my heart in the warehouse, you know, or around here or, um, you know, on the side of the road. I, you know, and I, I've been praying now more than ever and I find that... Um, when I get my heart tweaked, that's my time to pray and intercede more than, now than ever, right? Whenever I feel a little tinge of mercy on someone, I just pray over them. I just start praying. And I tell you, that's like fuel. It's like flight fuel for a prayer, right? Being angry at something or, or staying in a place of sort of judgment on something, I think there's a righteous judgment that we all have to have. 
But beyond that, these people are just being stupid because they're being led around by the devil and the end is they're going to be in hell or they're going to injure their life because when you sow that much bad seed, just a matter of, of time before whoever out there is sowing bad seed is going to be, end up in a really bad place. Sick or ill, they'll lose something, they'll lose whatever they have. We all know the drill. We even experience it here from time to time because we fall into that same trap, right? For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forget your, forgive your sins. Oh, now, who would that include? Well, that certainly couldn't include the government or, you know, these crazy politicians or you fill in your blank. Certainly not them. Look what they're doing to the country, Lord. <laughs> hmm. Oh, well, I think it does mean them. I don't mean that we don't, aren't righteous. I don't mean we have, don't stand up for truth. That's another thing. But I think we have to do first things first. Come out from under the box. You got trapped because you pulled the stick, right? Got scandalized, and you're underneath the box. And now you're trying to fight it out in the spirit from there. No, don't get trapped under the box. Fight it from outside the box. <laughs> and you'll see more clearly how to pray, how to bind, how to loose, and even concrete actions to take, which might be absolutely quite bold. Frankly, I'm, I'm pretty proud of some people that I've seen that have stood up to injustice, especially in our school systems. I'm proud of those people. So I'm not saying it all, but you know, there's a difference between having this sort of uh, cause in the Lord and it's a fine edge. So we don't want to get entangled in any stupid religious spirits because all they do is they send us the wrong direction and we lose our sense of truth. But truth combined with love is a very powerful thing, has a very sharp edge, gives you lots of endurance, and also helps you handle things in the right way. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. Ooh. Somebody famous said that. He certainly didn't deserve what he got. But actually... Those people that crucified him, he knew. They were the worst, most cursed people on the planet, on the earth, right? Maybe of all time. He knew where their end was. He understood the bigger picture. And I think he wants us to understand that as well, right? So we don't want to be trapped in any jail of unforgiveness. If you look at 2B on your outline, taking offense can also cut us off from blessings. I don't want to be cut off from any more blessings, right? <laughs> I don't want to miss anything. So look at Psalm 66. I cried out to him with my mouth. My praise, his praise was on my tongue. So many of them been before the Lord worshiping and praising God and serving him and loving him, right? But then he says, verse 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. I love these verses. So I don't want to cherish unforgiveness, a bad attitude, bitterness, anger toward anyone, even the ones that are doing very stupid things. I can look at them. I can see they're doing wrong, but I can pray for them with an open heart. I don't have to let it hook me. It's a fine line sometimes into that negative space because then I stop praying clearly. I stop thinking clearly, and I stop hearing God's voice, right? If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I mean, that's Jesus. He could see all around him the things that were going on. And there was a times when he had a beautiful word to say, a very confrontive word, you brood of vipers. <laughs> he did say that, right? Right? Just make sure that when you say the brood of vipers prayer or declaration, that you also have balanced it out with all the other stuff, right? <laughs> right? There's something that only the Spirit can teach us, but it's important for this day that we learn and understand how we're supposed to behave in crazy times like this, right? And that, that's kind of what this sermon is about. And only the Spirit can teach us. And it goes right down to the most fundamental of our relationships. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I look at that word, weaker partner, and it sounds really crazy in the 21st century, right? The weaker partner, right? And so he's saying something in the context of his culture, right? Things weren't quite then like they are now, 
and the view of women and the view of men and actually just the physical strength and the kind of work that was done and so on and so forth. But So you can see how they're saying that, giving the historical reference. But even better, as you read on, you finally get the real gist of what he's trying to say. And this is the real key here, all right? Again, verse First Peter 3. Let's look at now the next verse. Well, let me just read it again. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with them. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, the word that we have to remember here is treat them with respect. So what's the word? What does that respect mean? Well, the rest of the verses explain what he's talking about, what respect means, how we're supposed to act, right? First Peter 3. Verse 8, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, husbands and everybody, (laughs) right? Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. What? I get a blessing of not repaying evil with evil, right? If I repay evil with blessing, I inherit a blessing, right? For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil. So we live on the edge of this all the time. We've got to be careful. Again, I don't want to be under the box. Don't pull that stick on and get yourself trapped in there, right? Keep your tongue from evil. Keep their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, people that act like this, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So those that are doing evil, the face of the Lord is already against them. So we want to just keep our face right in God's face, right? Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? And he's saying by doing good, he's talking about a weakness, a certain kind of weakness, a certain kind of vulnerability, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Oh, man, can I say that again? Some of you, I think maybe for the first time in your life, we have actually seen in our country people suffering for doing right, standing up for the right thing. It's amazing, which probably means that we're going to have to do this a little bit more. We're going to have to learn to get good at it, right? It's really important that we learn to navigate these waters in the right way. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to get cut off from blessing. I want blessing. God's stronger than any of this other crazy stuff that's going on. I want to live in blessing, don't you? All right. Well, we got the recipe here. Here we go. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you actually are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Don't be frightened. Matter of fact, this is one of the things that I'm hoping that I carry into the next stage of our country. I want to be so obvious because I am not afraid of anything. I don't even mean belligerent. I'm just not afraid of the same things everybody else is afraid of. Matter of fact, one thing I found about fear is it may lead you down the wrong path every single time. Even when you're fearful for your children and their health and their welfare and so on and so forth, there's a difference between fear and fear, right? There's a difference to be aware, right? But terrorized would make you, 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 you make some of the stupidest decisions for your family that way. Oh, no, oh, no. And everybody sees you run. It's like sheep. One of the worst things about sheep, which the Bible does call us, <laughs> is the problem with sheep is if one person starts stamping, one person, yeah, one person, one person that's a sheep, one sheep. Here's the thing. Not many of us are, not many of us are agrarian, but I learned that when one Sheep start stampeding, everybody else stampedes without even knowing why the original sheep stampeded. And they'll follow that one sheep over a cliff. That's why they have to have such a vigilance with a shepherd. Because one of them gets tweaked, he's got to go get that one right away. Because <laughs> everybody else is going to follow him no matter where he's going, if it's in the wrong direction, right? Don't fear their trust, do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I like that. Jesus, you're Lord. You are Lord. I'm not just saying it with my mouth. I'm saying it with my actions. I'm saying it about everything. You are Lord. You're going to take care of this situation. By the way, I'm very, very happy of how we've received, how we uh, got through the pandemic so far. 
I think that our church as a whole, we may have been injured, we may have lost a few things, but as a whole, we have flown through magnificently. I am so happy what's happened. Some of you still haven't caught up. Maybe you lost a job or I've just heard of a person the other day that uh, lost their job and um, they're trying to still struggling a little bit, getting back in the right place. But look, you suffer for righteousness sake. Don't worry. The Lord's going to take care of you, right? But here's our real job. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to, get, to give reason for the hope that you have. Why, why do you have hope? Because everything's so great? No, you have hope because everything's so bad and you're shining in a different light and saying different things than everybody else is, right? Who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have? See, this is the finest moment we have. Everybody else is freaking out and running away and running off cliffs and we're going, mm, I'm not that concerned about that. I think I won't do that. I think I'll do this. What? How could you do that? Well, I think I prayed about it. I think God wants me to do this. Really? Yeah, really. But do this with gentleness and respect. So whatever you do, the hope you have, when you give that to him, do it with gentleness and respect, not arrogance. That's the one thing we've got to be careful of. The love of God will keep you out of that. Just don't be arrogant. It's a fine line between sometimes thinking something is righteous and being arrogant. You've just got to be careful of that, right? I think the greatest thing is for this that I've ever seen, the one thing that keeps me from being arrogant, and I get arrogant quite often, I gotta say, I get, I find myself in that space all the time. I don't know. I have a little bit of a temper sometimes, and I just, I thank God I haven't ruined my TV set so far. <laughs> I just can't, you know. Am I just old? I've seen other days. This day that we're in right now is just flat out weird, right? But always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. If I'm under that box, I can't give a reason. Because I'm as mad as they are, and lost as they are, and fearful as they are. And they feel it, they smell it. They don't want another smelly person. They want to know someone that smells good, that's got hope and life, and is confident. That's who they want to follow, right? That's what I'm going to follow. So everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed because of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit, and so on, right? Taking offense can cut us off from the joy of our salvation. And I tell you what, um, watching the movie and, the, you know, just the stuff that's going on here um, with the little, whatever it is, mini revival that we have going on, I'm not sure how big it'll get or how hopefully it'll just spread and we'll just see more and more. But there's just a certain thing um, about the singing that's going on, just the worship, which it's just the joy of it. You know, I'm not putting on pretense. I'm not trying to create a revival. I'm just, I just love God. I'm singing, I'm worshiping, right? It's so beautiful. It's just so nice. And I think, you know, one thing the vineyard does know how to do a little bit is worship. So I think we should just, uh, you know, I, I just think the worship's better than ever now in our community. Because we, that was one thing that we sort of had as a heritage and we just sort of picked up and we found life in there, right? Psalm 51, verses 10 to 12. Creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So taking offense and getting under that box can cause me to be uh, move out of that space, right? The joy of my salvation, the willing spirit. As a matter of fact, this is one of the greatest privileges we have. If we just keep operating, if we get religious, it's not going to be good. But if we just keep giving things away to people, the warehouse is such a joy to me because we do it for free. We didn't do it to do anything spectacular. We just did it to serve, and it's just mushroom, and then we're just, so we just give away more, and we give away more, and way more. It's just fun, right? I never have seen it as a business. It is a business. It's got a hundred and something employees, but 
I don't ever see it like that. It's just one big pile of joy for me. We just keep giving stuff away, blessing people. They come in. They're happy because they're getting all these great deals. They're happy because they're moving to Idaho or Tennessee and giving us all their stuff, which I really appreciate. So that's one good thing I like about the movement to Texas and other states. I'm getting a lot of good stuff, man. And, man, they're in a hurry, too, so they're giving me all this crazy stuff. Sometimes I look at the stuff in there and I think, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe did you see that? What is it? Oh, my gosh. And then we give it away for, I mean, or sell it for like, way, you know, hundreds of dollars less if we would have fought for it or tried to get it, you know, on the open market or something. But it doesn't matter. This is a beautiful thing, right? I like the freedom. I like the joy. I like the love. I like to stay there. This is the way on. It's always been the way on for the vineyard. Calvary Chapel movement happened and other movements as well in Southern California out of this amazing move of the Jesus people. Wonderful, incredible grace of God on us. It's very interesting to me, though, that when the vineyard came, the songs they started singing were love songs. They were beautiful songs. They weren't trying to be anything. They were just being themselves. But it flowed so well out of what was happening in terms, at the time of what had happened and the revivals that were going on everywhere. Love songs to Jesus. But to me, I don't know. The heart of all of this revival talk is love. And at the heart of that is this worship that we do. The love and worship. Like I said, I mentioned one of the first bands was Love Song. I think that's prophetic. And Love Songs were sung out of the vineyard. And I remember when I first got to the vineyard from another part of the country, and it was so surprising to me, the way they would sing. It was, it was, I knew it was spiritual, it was powerful, but I was used to Hebrew march music. This is the day... <laughs> You know, all those songs, which are great. I still sing them, but, but then I go to the vineyard and they're, and I praise your name and I love your name. And then everybody goes to pieces. Ah! And they're crying, <laughs> weeping, everything. You know, everybody's a wreck. Nobody can stand up and sing because they're all on the floor crying or whatever, right? And I'm thinking, this is the biggest bunch of babies I have ever seen in my life. What in the world's going on here? These people must all be having a nervous breakdown or something. That was like my <laughs> that was my first look at the vineyard. <laughs> I'm ashamed about it in a way, but not too much because eventually they got me. And I found myself in a pool of tears and everything and got an ambush by the Lord and uh, just and, and I realized um, I've been living in that love ever since. And I never got too far away from this amazing feeling of compassion for my soul. This access to God. This first love from God. It doesn't exist that many places because most people are so insecure and they're trying to build things up and do, you know, and uh, just the love of God pulsing through your heart, the worship just long time, just being uh, weak before the Lord and letting Him love you and receiving love and that takes you to a place of asking for forgiveness and being bold in your forgiveness and doing things you would never do. Love will make you do things that, that um, just, you know, religious behavior never would, even when it's the religious favor is right, right? So I have down here how to find the tenderness to love again. Forgive God, forgive others, and step out from under the box. Forgiveness means to stop waiting for others to make things right. Forgiveness means to stop judging others for what they've done to you. There's been a lot of crazy stuff. Lord, I pray that everybody could get out of the box. For you that are still under the box about your employer, I was just talking to a couple of great guys last night, unfairly fired from their jobs. Unfairly, completely. Some of you experienced that. Whatever you do, just get out from underneath the box, forgive them and move on. It's not worth being under there. Listen, our God's the God of the universe. He has a lot of things like Cattle on a thousand hills doesn't impress me much. A billion dollars impresses me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes the symbolism doesn't cross over, right? But so forgive us means to stop waiting for others to make things right. Forgive us means to stop judging others for what they've done to you. Let God heal you of your inner brokenness. We are to be intimately involved with each other's freedom and helping each other out of this these messes that we're in. Oh, Isaiah 61 is such a great passage of Scripture. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart. That's so much what I appreciate about the vineyard, this care and concern for 
the brokenhearted for those that need mercy, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is our job description on the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. We comfort others with the comfort we've received. You don't got no comfort, you can't comfort other people, right? Sound very well grammatically, but anyway. Provide for us, provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of, this is what we do. This is what we do. We bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes. We bring the joy instead of mourning. We bring a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And we're called oaks of righteousness, the plan of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And it's all done from this inner giving and forgiving, this lovely place that God brings us every time. We can feel it sometimes when we worship, but you know what? I believe this joy, this, this sense of love inside of us doesn't have to just be in a service. You can feel it. You just have to make room and understand that when you're getting a religious spirit, just say, oh, I'm going down that road anymore. Sometimes a religious spirit looks so much like righteousness, but it isn't. Learning just to get away from the religious spirit is one of the most dramatically freeing things in my whole life. Oh, I'm going down that road again. You always know you're in a religious spirit when you look good. And you're all puffed up, right? You're on your, your little box, you know. <laughs> Why don't we just climb off the box? <laughs> we don't have much authority in that box anyway. <laughs> and let's just, let just let God show us how to love people, even the ones that we don't agree with. Let God heal you of your inner brokenness. We are to be intimately involved with each other's freedom and healing, right? That's what I said. Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. This is what God does. But we're involved with this crown of beauty on everybody, right? James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Another great, wonderful passage that helps us understand. Is anyone among you in trouble? Then let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, comfort each other. Let's see, what is it? Confess, sorry. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person. The prayer of a righteous person. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being just as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. And the earth produced its crops. Yeah, just you and me and Elijah, right? How many feel very Elijah-like right now? (laughs) But notice how he says this. He says, Elijah, so I'm thinking like this guy's like Old Testament prophet, thundering, calling things down. But notice what happened before that. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. That doesn't sound like Elijah. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Then, Then he goes into Elijah mode. Those are connected. That's the New Testament meeting the Old Testament. Elijah mode for us is the other things. Praying for the sick. Forgiving each other. Forgiving others that have sinned against us. But then using that pulpit God gives us to stand in the marketplace and pray for people and call down God's fire. We can call down God's fire and authority on the culture. We just can't lose our love on the inside, which gives us all of our authority, gives us really all of our strength, doesn't it? Praise God. You can say amen. Unless you get to sleep. Don't go to sleep. I'm almost done. I see everybody lining up antsy to jump into the pool. You guys ready to go? Ready to jump into that pool over there? We're going to have a great baptism today. You know why we're going to have a great baptism today? Because we always have a great baptism. Every time there's a baptism, it's a great day, right? All right. Agree with God about your stuff. Change bad attitudes. Verbally renounce demonic power off your life in Jesus' name. And all that's related, by the way. Whenever you see a bad attitude creeping up, and by the way, the more sensitive you are about bad attitudes, bad attitudes, the more you own them before they get too deep, the better off you're going to be, right? And then just say, I'm not going to have any of that. Sorry, God, I'm not going that way. And then say, and I rebuke you, Satan, for tempting me to go down that self-righteous, crazy road. Amen. That's the end of it. Receive love, first love, all over again and stand firm to the end. I just want to just read these last points because I'm not going to go into detail, but let me just say this. Receiving God's supernatural love to refire your heart and rest for the soul is absolutely possible and probable. And I'm just going to read one scripture with regard to this. 
Paul's giving us this incredible possibility uh, to be a reality in our life. And I tell you what, I've tasted a little bit of this. And you come to my Life in the Spirit class or come to our seminars or anything. And I'm getting actually in my Life in the Spirit class this part in the class. That's my favorite part. It's when I get to actually release what happened to me on these people and ask God to bring this incredible love to them and compassion. I tell you, I never knew how real love was. I never know until I got ambushed. Absolutely. I didn't know he could be ambushed by love. Power is one thing. Love's another. When you get ambushed by love, it takes you apart molecule by molecule. It'll make you into a little crying baby, and then the next step, you'll be strong as Elijah. This is what it is. It's like you're tender and you're tough at the same time. It's the most glorious walk. I didn't like the tender part for a long time, but I'm getting used to it. Rather be the Elijah part, right? Especially after I watch Fox News for an hour. Ephesians 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, verse 14, from where every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established by, by love and love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I'm going to stop right there, because I'm going to read that passage one more time. I'm going to stop right there. Just think about these passages. Think about this for just a moment. He's praying for them to experience this. You can pray to God for you to experience this and for others to experience it. I pray our church every day this will happen. I pray for my life every day. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. When the love of God is beating in your heart, when you see a homeless person or another person's not doing so well, even if they're honoring a stinker and being bad, you look at them with different eyes because love's eyes looks at a person differently than harsh eyes. Love's eyes sees not only a problem but sees the end sees the possibility for that person to get out of that situation. Love's eyes, whether it's your kids, whether it's your husband, whether it's your wife, whether it's a person that's misusing you or abusing you at work, whatever it is, this love can be prayed for and experienced. He's praying, God, I want you to have this. They want them to have the same love I've got. I want them to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I've touched this love. I've got a piece of it in my life. When I entered the vineyard, this is what I got baptized in. This is where I went in. This is the door I went in. Being from kind of mean and religious to totally undone on the floor, crying like a baby for months at a time as the love of God swept over me. And that's where the glory is. That's where the God is. That's how to respond. And guess what? Then when the honorary ones come along, you know what to do with them. He gives you the right thing. Tells you what to do. Sometimes you draw a line. Sometimes you make the line further. It's all according to what the love of God is telling you to do. Even if you err on the way of compassion and you were a little too merciful, better to be too merciful than to go the other way. For whatever reason, I want to stay out from underneath that stupid box (laughs) and scandalize. I don't want to be scandalized by the world, by my sin, by anything religious. I just want to stay out from underneath the box and walk in the spirit and the power of God. Amen? All right, let's all stand. If you guys that are baptized, come on up over to the front. That'd be great. Just come up, and Keggy, if you could line them up. And um, if I could have the worship team come up. And uh, Okay, so if I preach about something, that usually means it's in the air, in the atmosphere, especially this subject. So maybe some of you, maybe many of you are in a good place. The trials we've under has pushed you right directly into the compassion of God. Maybe, there are others, maybe others of us just need a little dose of compassion, a little dose of compa- feeling loved by God and confidence. We're afraid for some reason. Maybe we lost our job. Maybe there's an issue with regard to our family that we just don't know how to handle. Maybe there's a sickness that's presented itself and we're just saying, why God? So listen, I want to do something today. I don't want to baptize without praying for 
all you folks, okay? So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to do this. I would like anybody, I'd like my ministry team to come up, if you don't mind. I'd like you to stretch out across the way here. By the way, I'm getting rid of these things. So they're going to go up high, so i got more room to pray for people. Uh, so i got to fix that. I couldn't figure out what, what, what was bothering me so much about the way we're doing ministry at the front now that the COVID thing's lightening. I figured it's out these rascals. So they're going up there. And I'm going to probably take a front row off too so we have more ministry in the front. So this is what we do. So uh, don't go too far over because I'm going to be baptizing people. But you, the ministry team, I'd like you to come along here. And I just can't think of a better day than ask and offer the mercy of God to people. The great thing about God is He's so merciful, He also is powerful. And if He's powerful, He can take care of all kinds of things today. I'd like anybody who'd like to come up that would like to receive prayer from one of these humble people, right, in the front. Humble but powerful. Humble but loaded with provision. I just think in response to this message, I just think there's going to be oodles of mercy. You may hear some commotion on the side and we're baptizing people. But whatever you do, don't leave this place without experiencing the compassion of God. If you're sick in your body, come up. If you just need a reworking, <laughs> you need to be retooled, you just need to come into a different place. Maybe you came in angry. Maybe you're angry at your boss, you're angry because you don't have a job. Why don't you just have someone pray for you? And by the way, if two or three agree in prayer, last thing I might check, it's a pretty good thing. I'll do it, he said. So these guys will come into agreement really easily. It's a great opportunity for them. Anybody else that's on part of our ministry team, if you could just come into this space. It's going to be a little loud and distracting, but I want on this side to make sure the prayer is going up for all of you that are not being baptized or just need something from the